Hey folks, this is John with Catholic for Rednecks podcast. I don't plan on doing podcasts every day as the show gets rolling, but I just want to, you know, have a library where if anybody stumbles across this channel, they have a few to listen to instead of just one. I look up podcasts all the time. My wife and I are just podcast junkies. We like to listen to especially true crime and stuff about history and Sasquatch and I don't know. We just listen a lot and sometimes I'll find a podcast with an interesting logo and look and there'll be one episode and that's it. So I wanted to pile up a few to get the show going. And uh, if you do YouTube, I'm also on YouTube, Catholic for Rednecks, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. All are a little different, though. You know, I dropped off yesterday. I was talking about my first Mass that I went to. Um, actually, I went to the Ash Wednesday and then Midnight Mass 2013. I went there. I was probably about, uh, I was still a little tipsy. We'd been drinking the bourbon and eggnog and brandy about all day. Then when we got there, I remember it was very, it was just cold. It was like 13 degrees, very, very cold. And I had never been to a midnight mass and, you know, raised Southern Baptist and Pentecostal all my life. And so we got there and uh, the cathedral is called the Cathedral of St. Paul. It's located in downtown Birmingham. Very, very beautiful building. But it was my, you know, first time going to midnight mass. I was still a little nervous. And we got there, and I'm going to tell you what, the place was jam-packed. I mean, just, we had to get there like an hour. Midnight mass starts at midnight, haha. <laughs> but uh, we had to get there like we were told we had to be there by 10.30 if we wanted a seat. So we got there, and they played a bunch of Christmas carols and stuff. They had a choir and an orchestra, very fancy and uh, the church is just, you know, full of stained glass and paintings and icons and just statues everywhere. And the place smells like incense and olive oil. It just has a, a Catholic church smell to it. And you just, it just felt good. And it was just, everybody was all dressed up for Christmas Eve. And uh, you could smell a slight hint of bourbon in the air. I don't think I was the only one that showed up a little bit tipsy because I could definitely smell bourbon, kind of like when you go to a SEC football game and you're sitting there and you can smell bourbon everywhere. So anyhow, my wife went, <clears throat> my, excuse me, my son went too, my youngest son, Brian, and uh you know, they had a crier come out, some guy in the back, and they do this at the midnight mass. It's a very long mass. So if you ever go for the first time, make sure you take some uh, no-dos and drink about a gallon of coffee because it's pretty long. But um, So they had a crier get out. He was like, hear ye, hear ye. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And he pretty much went from Genesis to Christmas Eve from the Bible. And he just told the story about Abraham and Noah and all the prophets and all. And then here comes this big old parade. It looked like they had 15 or 20 altar boys. They were carrying candles and you had all these priests and 
dressed up in these fancy robes. Now, you got to remember, I was Baptist. I've never seen nothing like this. And they had this one priest. He was holding up a baby Jesus. And one of the priests was holding up a, uh, I know it was, it's a Bible, but it was a gold book, big, gigantic gold book. And then, uh, you know, other guys had these, uh, you know, all just smoke bombs. And everybody was singing, and the orchestra was, orchestra was fired up, and they were singing, Oh, come ye, what's that, Christmas Carol, come ye all faith, uh, whatever it is, you know what it is. Sound like Biden, you know the thing. But uh, everybody was standing, and I remember when they all come walking through, I mean, it was just like a parade of people coming down the aisle, heading towards the altar. And the first thought I was, was, man, this is just a big, horse, a big old horse and pony show. You know, it's just a put on. And I looked at that baby Jesus and looked at the golden Bible, and I just, you know, I was kind of put off by it. And when I started noticing all the smoke from the incense, I really did think that it was being piped in from the walls. I didn't realize it was all coming from those uh, things altar boys were swinging around. I really did. I, you know what I really thought? I thought back to the Old Testament when uh, Moses and them got the tabernacle set up and it says the glory of God descended on the tabernacle and the cloud and glory of God was so strong that the priests and the ministers had to run out and they were overcome. And, you know, I really thought, you know, they're trying to duplicate that, like the Wizard of Oz. You know, they're blowing this smoke and fog through these things like we're at a concert and they're trying to duplicate the glory of God. And uh, you could smell it. It was very strong incense. And I leaned over to my son and said, um, this looks like some kind of pagan ritual, you know? And my son, I'm talking about Brian, my youngest one, he just kind of smiled and then he leaned over to me and said, you know that anybody reading the Old Testament would think the same thing. It's not much different from what Moses and the priest did in Leviticus and Exodus, Deuteronomy and such. And I said, well, you got a point. Well, to make a long story short, they did a lot, a lot of beautiful music and chanting in Latin. And we stood up and sat down and stood up and sat down and kneeled and all that. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but it was beautiful. And then the only part of the sermon I remember that the priest said was, he said in a few moments, we're about to taste God. You're going to come down here and receive God in your hand, on your tongue, and eat God. And that just really blew me away because I knew Catholics believed that communion, that the bread and wine at communion, they really believed that it became Jesus. I mean, literally Jesus. And I knew that. And just to be honest with you, I kind of felt that way myself as a, non-denominational Baptist and Pentecostal mix, I, I kind of, you know, I'd read John chapter 6, and, you know, I just felt that way myself, so it wasn't that big of a deal to me. And then I remember um, when, they, when the priest went through the part of the Mass where they consecrate the bread and wine, and it becomes the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. 
you do a lot of kneeling back and forth. And the thing that really struck me and impressed me was that all these people in there, they knew what to do. All like one body, like one group. They knew when this, to kneel. Then you could hear those kneelers crashing down all in unison. Then they knew when to stand back up. Then they knew when to kneel again. And they knew when to stand back up. And it just, the unity of it was, um, I want to say impressive, but it was, um, it was inspiring. And just the, the pageantry, the music, the, the way they talked, the, when they recited the creeds, I was just totally mesmerized by the orchestra, the stained glass, the, the smoke bombs, the garments the priests wore, the crucifix, the just the smells and the bells. They, and, and a lot of the women wore bells, and it just intrigued me. You know, I was so used to, you know, a vanilla church service, you know, going into a plain room, no decorations, hearing a preacher wearing a name tag in khakis and singing songs and hearing some hour-long sermon. So this was all mesmerizing. It just made me think I was in some scene of the Raiders of the Lost Ark or Game of Thrones. And so then the communion time come, and I'm watching uh, this line up, you know, the people would line up, and one by one they would go up there and receive the communion. You know, some of them, uh, they'd stick their tongue out, and the priest would put the, you know, the host on their tongue, and, you know, the priest would keep saying, body of Christ, and the person would say amen, and they would kneel, and some of them put it, you know, in their hand like a, a cradle, and then would put it in their own mouth, and I was thinking to myself, these people really do believe that they're eating God. You know, that that round little host, that piece of bread, uh, the wine they're drinking, they believe that that is the blood of Jesus, the blood of God. They believe that that bread has become Jesus, and they're chewing on bread and swallowing it, and they're eating God, you know, it just made a big impression on me that they all were, you know, in in tune with each other. That they're, it just really made an impression on me. I, I just don't have any other words to say that I'd never seen anything like that. I just, I felt unity and I felt like they all belonged to something ancient and uh, something older than anything I had known. So, left the midnight mass, and uh, I had no intention of going back. But it's funny that as Sunday approached, um, I just had a hankering to just go to that Catholic church down the street, St. Teresa, and see what it was about when it wasn't Ash Wednesday, when it wasn't midnight mass. And so I went by myself. My wife had to work, and I really enjoyed it. You know, again, I was on full alert. I was waiting for them to worship Mary. I was waiting for some kind of, you know, blasphemy. I was listening carefully to the words of the sermon by the priest and just, you know, I was I was listening. I was waiting to hear something that I would just absolutely reject, but I didn't. I heard the gospel, the same gospel I'd always heard all my life, same Jesus and all. You know, I just really liked it. 
And then the next Sunday came and I went back to my Presbyterian church that I had joined back yonder in Ash Wednesday. And just I'm just gonna be honest with you. Nothing against the pastor at that Presbyterian church. We're friends to this day. We chat, but the comparison from going to the midnight mass and to the Ash Wednesday Mass and going just to a regular mass, the comparison between that and going to a Presbyterian church service was like, oh, man, God, I just, it was boring as hell. I felt nothing. It just, it seemed so plain and dead. I mean, it was like going to church into a, a meat locker. You ever been to a, in the back of a restaurant or something and they keep the meat, you walk in there and you're freezing. I mean, there's just no life and, you know, and, and I'm not criticizing the people or the pastor. They're wonderful, but it was just, you know, they had a podium, they had an American flag and a Christian flag and some potted plants and the music, you know, I just sang a few songs, then you heard another hour-long sermon, and I walked out, and uh, I never went back. I never went back. So starting that day, you know, I just left, and uh, because I had been searching, because I had been grown, I grew up Southern Baptist, and I always noticed there was a lot of confusion and disagreement from one church to another, and when I went to Pentecostal churches and they were screaming in tongues and jumping pews and getting slain in the Holy Ghost and getting filled with the Holy Ghost and dancing and they believed and you could lose your salvation. And the Baptists believed you could not lose your salvation. And then, you know, I'd go to Presbyterian church and they believed that oh, God oh, picked you out to be saved and and, oh, you're one of the lucky ones, and they believed in once saved, always saved. And, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I'd go to different churches all my life, and it was just one, you know, they none of them agreed with each other. They didn't even agree on how to baptize. They didn't agree if you were once saved, always saved, or did you have, there just was no remember. Some believed in tongues, some believed in the rapture. Some said tongues of the devil. Some said the rap there is no rapture. I just some had women preachers. Some said women can't preach. Some of them the preachers wore suits and they had a choir. Then another one the preachers in shorts and a tank top. I kid you not, shorts and a tank top. And just you know, there's just you could listen to Christian radio, which I did occasionally, and you could listen to ten different preachers and. None of them agreed on anything. I mean, here they are supposed to have one Bible, and there ain't, they just disagree on a lot of things, you know, just total confusion. I used to lay in bed uh, wondering, well, who the hell, who has the truth? Where can I go for the truth? Why is, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but the Baptist church is divided into approximately 60 different factions. Not all of them are Southern Baptists. You got Missionary Baptists, Primitive Baptists. Uh, you got the Continental Baptists. You got 
free will Baptists, and that's the same way with the Methodists. And then the non-denominational church, it was turning into just, you know, it's everything but Jesus. It's all about my healing, all about my money, all about Jesus wanting to give me good stuff. There's no suffering. There's, you know, if, you know, it just, it's just absolute mess. And it would keep me up at night because I'd hear different teachings from different angles. And I was so tired of it, so tired of it. But then again, you know, I just started going to this Catholic church. And I went, and um, I went January, February, March, and then comes April. They had something called Holy Week. And I had never even heard of Holy Week except from CNN or Fox well, I went through that Holy Week, and it's the Catholic version of a camp meeting, of a revival. And I tell you what, it just blew me away, the presence of God, the unity and all. Now, after about one month, about four or five times of going to the Catholic church in a row, I'd pretty much decided this is for me. But there were some things that I was hung up on. You know, they pray to Mary. They pray the rosary. Um, they said that Mary remained a virgin. Um, they believe in the infallibility of the Pope. They believe that that little piece of bread becomes God. Um, if I commit sins, they believe I have to go to confession and uh, talk, confess them to a priest. You know, uh, why do I have to confess to a priest when I confess to Jesus? And just, you know, they had other books in their Bible. I mean, I grew up with King James Bible. It had 66 books. And ain't that funny? That's the number of the devil, 66. And uh, here comes the Catholic Church. They got quite a few more books in their Bible. And just, I don't know. I just, some, you know, just sitting there, I was thinking, you know, this Catholic Church has been around for 2,000 years. 2,000 years, and the way they're having church, this mass, it's been around for centuries. And their beliefs and their doctrines and their dogmas have been, they're ancient. And you can read about them in the early church writings. It just made a huge impression on me. And I remember, um, I think it was Good Friday, we had that special... Uh, Thing, you know, the mass, whatever you want to call it on Good Friday, and the, there's a part where everybody was on their knees and they played that Johnny Cash song, song Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? And I remember looking around at all these people around me. They were crying and sniffling and all. And I remember I was on my knees and looking up at that crucifix, and I was thinking, how in the hell do people not think that this is a Christian church? You know, I heard it was a cult and the whore Babylon all my life, and I'm on my knees surrounded by people singing to Jesus and crying. And it was just that moment right there on my knees, I decided I'm Catholic, and this is for me, and we'll see you next time.